Hello, church. Everybody good today? Happy 4th of July. We're so glad that you're here today. And I don't know about you, but I love Sunday. Matter of fact, Sunday is my favorite day of the week. And the reason that Sunday is my favorite day of the week is because we get the opportunity to gather together to worship corporately. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. And I'm especially grateful today that uh, we get to gather together today uh, as the body of Christ and uh, openly and freely and corporately worship uh, God of the ages that we just sang about. And uh, church, we can never take that for granted. Our freedoms and our liberties come from Almighty God himself. And uh, this weekend, we need to be especially grateful uh, for the freedoms and the liberties um, that we have. So welcome to church today. Uh, Welcome to those of you that are are on campus, those of you that are watching online today. I know it's a holiday weekend. We've got a lot of people moving around, traveling about. Um, We have a lot of folks that tune in on Sunday mornings, and we're really glad that you're here today. If you're visiting with us, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And uh, today is just going to be a little bit different. And we'll talk more about that um, in just a minute, okay? But I get the privilege today to wrap up our current sermon series called All About Jesus. And uh, if you haven't been here in a few weeks, or again, if maybe this is your first time, let me encourage you to go to any of our social media platforms, our website. We keep our messages and our series archived there. Let me encourage you to go watch um, the the previous three parts to the the current sermon series, just so you can kind of get an understanding and an idea of all that we've covered over the last um, uh, three weeks. And uh, we're going to conclude this series today uh, called All About Jesus. And uh, what we're doing in this particular series is we're taking the little New Testament book of Colossians, which is kind of toward the back of your Bible, and uh, we're unpacking each chapter week by week. So we've already done chapter one, we've already done chapter two, we've already done chapter three. Today we're going to wrap up the book in chapter number four, and what we're doing in each of these chapters is we're answering two questions. Uh, The first question is, um, who is Jesus? And the second question is, what does he want us to do? Those two questions come out of a personal encounter that the author or the writer of this letter, his name is the Apostle Paul, uh, when he met Jesus face to face, uh, he had his life transformed and changed by Jesus. And he asked Jesus two questions. He said, Lord, who are you? And Lord, what do you want me to do? And you can read about that in Acts chapter number nine in the New Testament part of your Bible as well. If you remember, for those of you that have been here for a few weeks, back in week one, I talked about how big of a deal uh, this letter was to the church in, in Colossae. And uh, it would kind of be like um, uh, Trent, who was our lead pastor, getting up on stage. And before he shared a message with us, just saying, hey, church, I want to read you a letter. I received a letter this week from Billy Graham, and it's addressed to Epic Church. Uh, That would be a big deal to us, right? I mean, we would lean in a little bit uh, to hear what Billy had to say to us, especially now that he's no longer alive on this side of eternity, okay? Uh, But you get the picture, okay? Uh, So when, uh, when... this letter was read to the church in Colossae from the Apostle Paul, it was a big deal because of the influence that the Apostle Paul had on that little church as they planted themselves in the city of Colossae 
and as they attempted to be the church that would help point people to this guy named Jesus uh, in, the, in the first century, okay? Uh, so the reason that I tell you that is because we all know and understand at some level uh, that words carry weight, do they not? How many of you believe that words carry weight, okay? Um, I do, uh, as a parent, you know, who uh, has raised two boys, um, you know, I understand the value of the words that I speak to them. And sometimes as parents, uh, we have an opportunity to speak words of life and breath and encouragement into our children. And if you have children, I hope that you're taking opportunities to do that. Uh, sad to say, and I've even done this in my life, uh, we've, uh, we've taken advantage uh, and we have said things that have been hurtful and harmful uh, even to our children or to those that we love the most. So words carry weight. Um, if you've ever been in a courtroom setting, I think of a judge who sits behind uh, uh, their desk and they're presiding over a particular trial. And just in a few words, when it comes time to, uh, uh, to, to, to give a sentence or so, a judge speaks a few words and it either has the power to condemn somebody or to send somebody maybe to jail or to prison or to set them free and claim their innocence. If you have a doctor that you go to on a regular basis, uh, your doctor has the power to speak some words about your health. And depending on what it is you're going to see about your doctor, and that doctor says whatever they need to say to you, you either respond this way, I'm, and it's a good report, or it's either one, you walk out of there and you're like devastated and you don't know what's, what's going to happen and, and what this means and, and all that stuff. So words carry weight. And, and when this letter arrived in the church of Colossae, it was a big deal. Uh, listen how to the apostle James in James chapter three talks about the power of words. He says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, James was a pastor in a local church in the first century, okay? And so he's writing this and he's telling other pastors and preachers, people who would stand before others and proclaim uh, uh, a truth from God. Uh, he's saying that God holds us to a higher standard uh, when we get up and teach. So he said, not everybody is, is called to that. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now, when we put bits, and he gives some illustrations, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And he goes on to say in verse four, and consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, he says, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large of a forest a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. And it pollutes the whole body and it sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. He goes on to say in verse seven, every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We bless our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. And then he closes this passage by saying, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. So what James is saying here is that there is power in our words. There's specifically power that we have with this little member of our body called the tongue. And what I love about the Apostle Paul and what I love about the letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae is that the Apostle Paul, as as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as somebody whose life had been transformed and changed by the power of the gospel and had been given the gift of, of teaching or the gift of speech, he was very intentional and very uh, purposeful and practical about the words that he spoke in this letter to the church in Colossae. And if you remember in the first couple of weeks of this series, we, we unpacked who Jesus is and, and what his ministry is today uh, in, in the life of a, of a Christ follower, in the life of a believer. And the Apostle Paul in chapter three and chapter four, he's going to move on to, to the practical part of this teaching where he's going to help them understand how to put into practice what they have learned and believed and received and trusted uh, about Jesus Christ. So today is going to be another one of those really how-to or practical talks as we unpack this idea of, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, I mentioned a moment ago that today's going to be a little bit different. I believe that the power of speech is a gift from God. Matter of fact, when you look in the list of spiritual gifts that the Bible gives, when God, when we enter into a relationship with Christ, the Bible says that God gives us a spiritual gift. And there are a lot of different gifts that can be given. And, and teaching uh, or preaching is one of those gifts. Uh, that's a gift that God has given me. Um, I didn't ask for it. Um, it was a gift that was imparted to me and my responsibility as a pastor and as a preacher is to stand before people on occasion or even when I have personal conversations with people and use the power or the gift that God has given me to teach and to preach and to share what it is that, uh, that God wants people to know about truth from, from his word. Uh, so it's a, it's a gift that, uh, that, that I take seriously. I know that um, God has entrusted to me the opportunity to, to stand on stage and to look into a camera or to look into an audience and say and, and talk about things that, that God wants us to know and understand. And, and I want you to know, church, that's something that I take seriously. And I hope that um, over the last three years or so um, that I have earned a level of, of trust and responsibility uh, from you in that. Uh, But here's the reality about today. Uh, Today is my last official Sunday as one of your pastors at Epic. And uh, it'll be the last time, at least in the particular role that I'm in today, that I will have an opportunity to stand before you today and to share what, what, what God's laid on my heart based on the passage of scripture uh, that, uh, that we're talking about um, today. So I, I began to ask God over the last few weeks, God, 
um, this is going to be a, a little bit of a bittersweet moment, you know, for me. And uh, God, I want to finish well. So God, what do you want me to say? What can I say? What should I say that would have any kind of, of meaning or significance that, uh, that people could kind of sink their teeth into and apply to their life and it would bring about change and transformation and all that stuff? And can I just tell you, church, that's a really, really hard thing to do with the same audience week after week after week after week. Uh, but here's what God reminded me of heading into today. And it's something that he has reminded me of many, many times over the last 30 years that I've had the opportunity to stand on a stage like this and preach and teach his word. Here's what God reminded me. God, Brian, it's not about what you say. It's about what I have to say. You just talk about what, what I've already said, what I've already revealed in, in my word, and that'll be enough. Uh, and I don't know uh, who needs to hear what we're going to share today and what we're going to unpack today from Colossians chapter number four. But I trust that in this salutation part of Paul's letter, the ending of his letter of what he wants to say to the church in Colossae, I believe there's something that God wants to say to us today as well. And it's something that we all can apply to our life and help us uh, uh, to accomplish what it is that he wants us to do as Christ followers. If you remember uh, in week one, I told you that this series is primarily for Christ followers. For those of us who have made a decision to place our faith and trust in Jesus and to say yes to him, to invite him to come into our life, to forgive us of our sins, to lead us and guide us uh, as our conscience and as our guide, as our helper, uh, and then uh, to, to write our name in his reservation book in a place called heaven for all of eternity. If that's you today, uh, then what we're gonna talk about is primarily for you. Uh, but if you're here today, you're watching online and you're not a Christ follower, uh, what we're going to talk about today, there's some things in this list that we're going to talk about that will be very valuable to you if you will practice these things or you will apply them to your, uh, to your life and the relationships that you have. And God will add a tremendous amount of value of meaning and purpose and significance in your life. Our hope is that anybody who attends Epic on campus or watches us online would know three very important things. We want you to know more than anything how much God loves you. We want you to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God who laid down his life on a cross over 2,000 years ago to pay for your sin debt. And we want you to know we care about you. We want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus so that you can experience the best life possible. Um, so what I want to do today is I want to kind of give you some, some best practices as a Christ follower today. And just as kind of a little of a side fun fact, uh, almost three years to the day, um, I preached my very first sermon uh, as a guest, knowing that I would be coming on staff um, a few months after that. Uh, but in July of 2019, I preached my very first sermon, and it was from Colossians chapter number one to kick off a series in Colossians. So it's appropriate that today is my last official um, uh, uh, Sunday at Epic, and I'm going to close the book of Colossians with Colossians chapter number four. We didn't plan it that way. Uh, it wasn't even something that we thought much about just until a couple of weeks ago. And as I was thinking about this, um, God just kind of brought that to memory. And I've had some great conversations with people that just actually remember that first sermon that I taught back in 2019. And that just blows my mind anyway. So um, I can't believe they, they would remember that. But anyway, it's the way God works. OK, so here's what I want to do today. I want to give you five best practices for a Christ follower. 
All right. Five best practices for a Christ follower based on what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter number four. So one more time, if you're ready, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. All right, here we go. First thing he says to the church, uh, and and when it comes to how we're going to live out our faith and the difference that Christ makes in our life, he says, first of all, we got to learn to pray purposefully. We have to learn to pray purposefully. Listen to what he says in, in Colossians chapter four, verse number two. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer. What's the apostle Paul saying there? Here's what I think he's saying. I think he's saying, church, you got to make prayer a priority in your life. You got to make prayer a priority in your life. If you're a Christ follower, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the most fundamental spiritual disciplines that you can ever engage in is this idea of having a daily conversation with God. I don't know about you, but uh, I'll be the first one to admit, I don't consider myself to be what a lot of people call a prayer warrior. You ever heard that term? A prayer warrior, that's somebody, you know, that's just grounded in their relationship with Christ. They know who God is. They know who Jesus is, the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in their life, and they are unashamed, and they are bold, and they are brazen. They go before the throne of God, and they pour their heart out, and the requests and petition, and they intercede for other people. And it just seems like, man, when that person's praying, just power from heaven uh, 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 rains down and it moves heaven into action and circumstances change and people are healed and and there's just, just this amazing power in prayer. And that is absolutely true. But if you're like me, sometimes life just kind of gets the best of you, doesn't it? And we don't, we don't make prayer the priority that we should. But if I could encourage you in anything today, church, let me encourage you to make prayer a priority in your life. Um, It doesn't have to be a a, a long prayer, but one of the things that I try to practice is that principle of of praying unceasingly, praying, uh, uh, just having an ongoing conversation with God. So I'll start a conversation with God in the morning and I'll try to continue that conversation at different times throughout the day and just share things that are on my heart or if I have an opportunity to pray with somebody or to pray for somebody or God brings something to my memory or if I'm engaged in some kind of conversation or there's a circumstance or situation that I'm facing, I'm learning how to have that ongoing conversation that is purposeful and is meaningful in my daily life. And I think what Paul is saying here is that you have to make prayer a priority in your life if you're going to be effective in helping other people understand who God is and who Jesus is and the difference that he makes in our life. I love to pray for people. And I tell people all the time, if you need prayer, I need practice. So let me know what it is that I can pray for you about. And, and, and I love to pray for people. One of the greatest examples of prayer in the Bible is a guy by the name of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel grew up and was born into his entire life lived in a pagan slavery to the Babylonian Empire. He was in captivity his entire life, but he made prayer a priority in his life. And he was consistent. 
He was purposeful in his prayer. And as a result, God used him in the Babylonian empire to show, to show mercy and grace and even freedom to the point to where at the end of Daniel's life, he got to see the nation of Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish race that he was a part of. He got to see them be released from the Babylonian captivity and go back to their native land and reestablish themselves in the city of Jerusalem. It's a great example of, of purposeful prayer, and I would encourage you to check out Daniel's story in Daniel chapter number nine in the Old Testament part of your Bible. So, so Paul says, pray purposefully. The second thing he encourages the church with as he closes is that we need to speak boldly, he says. We've got to speak boldly. Let me read to you the second half of verse three and then head into verse number four. It says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message to speak uh, the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison. And then he says in verse number four, so that I may reveal it as I am required to, to speak. Now the mystery that the apostle Paul is talking about is the fact that Jesus died for the Gentiles just exactly the way that he died for the Jews. That Jesus died for all people, okay? That was a mystery that God called the apostle Paul to reveal to people that he would encounter. And the apostle Paul would spend the rest of his life establishing Gentile churches in the Asia Minor area, the Mediterranean rim of the, of the first century. He would spend the rest of his life taking the good news of the gospel message to the Gentile world, all right? And if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, okay? So, uh, so, so Jesus died for everybody, and that's the mystery that Paul revealed, but Paul was one of those guys that was bold and courageous to share his God story with every opportunity that he had, with every individual they had an encounter with, uh, with every uh, uh, religious sect of his day, with the political powers that be when he would stand before them on trial and it, as, he would, as he would stand in the synagogues or he would go into the marketplace, anywhere that the Apostle Paul had an opportunity to have an audience, whether it was one-on-one -on -one or whether it was to the masses, he took the opportunity to share his God story. And can I tell you something today? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you have a God story. I have a God story. And here's the, the amazing thing about the God of the Bible to me. The amazing thing about the God of the Bible is that he chooses to use people just like you and I to share our story to get his will accomplished on planet Earth and in other people's lives. And as we make ourselves available and we're obedient to share our God's story, God does the rest and, and he accomplishes something in us and through us. If you remember in week one, I gave you four words. I said, we need to watch, we need to listen, we need to think, we need to act. This has to do with the acting part. This has to do with us living out um, purposefully and intentionally sharing our God story and what it is that God is doing in our life, what he's done for us and, and, uh, and how he is transforming us and changing us and helping us to be more like Jesus. Um, when I read through the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to do that sometime if you've never done it, but the Acts is the account of, of the early church being started in the first century after Jesus resurrected from the grave. And the Bible says that, that the apostles and, and the disciples and the followers of Jesus became so bold and courageous in their faith 
because they had witnessed Jesus die on a cross, be buried in a tomb and resurrect from the grave. And it transformed them and changed them. And, and, and the boldness and the courage that they had is just something that, that I, when I read, I, I marvel at it. And I, I'm a little bit convicted because I, I have to say, you know, Brian, you, you don't have that kind of boldness and that passion that they had in the first century. And I get a little bit of, uh, 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 I feel a little bit sad. I get a little bit of conviction that, that I'm not as bold and courageous and passionate about my faith as what, as what the early church was in the, in the book of Acts. And, and I want to be that way. I, I want to take advantage of opportunities to, to share my God story because I have a God story. Jesus has saved me. He has forgiven me. He is my shepherd. He is my savior. He is my Lord. He is my king. He is my shield. He is my shepherd. He is my protector. He is my provider. And I can sit here and talk all day long of things that God has done for me and in me and through me uh, that would make a difference in other people's lives if I would just take the opportunity to do it. And God puts people in our life every single day at work, in, home, in our home, on our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in church, if I could just encourage you, all right? We have a responsibility as Christ followers to share our God's story to take advantage of the opportunities to help point people to Jesus, to engage in spiritual conversations with people that are meaningful and significant. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or a theologian. You just have to be willing. And if you're willing, God will get in the middle of the conversation and he will use what it is that you share with somebody else. I've been at Epic three years. It, it, it isn't the story that, that I planned. When I took the job at Epic, I planned to stay at, at least 10 years, probably get me closer to retirement, and we'd figure out whatever was next. Uh, but it's not about me, and God had a different story. But here's, regardless, whether it's three years or 10 years, Epic is always part of my story. And it will always be part that, that, that I want to share with people about what God has done in me and what God has done for me and what God has done through me that hopefully can touch somebody else and, and help. And I'm forever grateful that, that, that my story has a, a three-year window and season called Epic Church that I get to talk about moving forward. And I want to be faithful to do that. So Paul says the best practice for a Christ follower is to pray purposefully, to speak boldly, Number three, he says you need to behave graciously. This is a little harder to do. He says walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That word walk there literally means to behave. The way that you behave. He says behave in wisdom toward outsiders. Who are outsiders? Those people who are outside the faith. Those people who don't believe what we believe. Those are people who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are people who need to know that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that you care about them. And Paul says there's going to be some people that God puts in your life that you're going to have to walk in wisdom towards. And, and, and I translate that, you're going to have to be a little gracious toward them. 
Uh, we've all got people in our life that require an extra measure of grace, do they not? I call them EGR people, extra grace required, all right? It's who those people are. We've all got those people in our life. And, and Paul is saying, listen, as you live out your faith, you need to know and understand that you're gonna have encounters with people who don't, who don't believe what you believe and they don't know what you know and they don't, uh, they don't have the same desires in life that you have and you're gonna have to show them a little grace. You're gonna have to show them a little compassion. You're gonna have to take a little extra time with them. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Your speech should also be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Can I give you a little biblical principle that will always, always, always lead you to the right outcome if you'll practice it in relationships with people who are a little bit difficult in your life? You ready for it? Here it is. Ready? Grace always wins. Grace always wins. And yes, I don't know what they've done to you. I don't know how they've treated you. I don't know how they've misbehaved towards you or what they've said about you. And, and you may be justified in lashing out or doing something that's harmful or hurtful to them because of what they have done for you. And that's just a tension that we're gonna battle in our life between the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay? It's like feeding the spirit or we're gonna feed that, 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 that flesh. Whichever one we feed is the one that's gonna win. But here's what I can tell you, 10 out of 10 times, church, when you have encounters with people like that, grace always wins, and if you're having a difficult time with your spouse right now, grace always wins. Show them some grace. If you're having a difficult time in a relationship with a child or a grandchild, grace always wins. Show them some grace. If you're having a tiff with a coworker or a boss or a friend or a neighbor, here's what I can tell you. Grace always wins. And Paul is saying we got to learn to behave graciously. You see, following rules things that we might be justified to do, following rules uh, is a guilt trip, but following Jesus is a grace trip. And when we show grace to people who don't deserve grace, God has a way of doing the supernatural and the amazing. Listen, none of us deserve salvation. We didn't deserve for Jesus to step out of heaven and come to this earth and show us how to live and lay down his perfect sinless blood on Calvary's cross over 2,000. We don't deserve that. But God in his grace said, I love those people. And I want to have a relationship with them. And I'm going to send my son Jesus to pay their sin debt so that our relationship can be restored. And we can have a relationship that's meaningful and significant. Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve, but what we desperately need. And God puts people in our life sometimes who desperately need grace. And they might not deserve it, but they need it. And you know who can show it to them? We can as Christ followers. So he says, behave graciously. Then he says, share lovingly. Share lovingly. I'm not going to take time to read this whole passage, but I do want to point out the names the proper people, the proper names that the Apostle Paul takes the time to list in this last part of his letter to the church, all right? And I'm going to butcher some of these names, but it's okay, all right? Uh, the first one, he says, the guy by the name of Tychicus. Then he goes on to talk about a guy named Onesimus. In the next part, he talks about a guy named Aristarchus. Then a guy by the name of Mark and Barnabas and Jesus, who is also called Justice. That's not 
That's not the Jesus Jesus. That's another Jesus, okay? Uh, Epaphras, we talked about him in week number two. He goes on to talk about Luke. That's the physician that wrote the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's that guy right there. Demas, he talks about a guy by the name of Demas. Then he talks about uh, uh, a nympha there uh, in uh, verse number 15. And the question we have to ask is, why did Paul take the time to name all of those people and to to say something specifically about them in his letter to the church in Colossae. And here's what I think the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate. These are all people that God has put in my life that have made an impact in my life. And we've shared life together. We've prayed together. We've cried together. We've sang together. We've served together. Uh, We've been in ministry together. We've done life together. We've worked side by side. And and there are people that obviously have made an an impact in the Apostle Paul's life. And here's what I think Paul is saying to the church in Colossae as he winds down his letter. We need to learn how to share our life lovingly and be intentional about sharing our life with others. We need to be intentional about sharing our life with others. It's easy to show up at a church service on a Sunday morning and check a religious box and say, we did our religious duty of the day. It's a whole nother thing to get connected and plugged in and serve and and, and do life with other people. And the beauty of the body of Christ is the value that's added to our life when we share our life with each other because here's what I'm convinced and I think this is something else that the Apostle Paul is saying here is that God does some of his best work in the personal. God works in the personal and God cares about Brian and God cares about Trent and God cares about Tim and God cares about Karen and God cares about Phil and God cares about Steve and Susie and Ann and Joy and the list goes on and on and on. God, God chooses to work in the personal, but we have to make a choice that we're going to share our life with each other. It's the reason why we have serving opportunities. It's the reason why we have worship teams. It's the reason why we have a connections team. It's the reason why we have a media team. It's the reason why we have kids workers. It's the reason why we have small groups and small group leaders is because God works in the personal. And if I could challenge you, if you're kind of sitting on the fence and you're just checking your spiritual box every day, start to look, think about what your life would look like by sharing your life with other people lovingly and let God use your gifts, your talents, and your abilities to point people to him. God has surrounded me with some amazing people over the last three years at Epic. People that I did not know three years before today. Uh, when I think about the areas of ministry that I lead, I lead our, our, our small group ministry, our community groups. We've got an amazing team of community group leaders that are so faithful and committed uh, to doing life with people who will let them. I lead our local missions efforts, which is like our 3G projects and, and partnering with our other organizations in town to identify needs and, and meet needs. And God's surrounded us with a great team of volunteers that serve on our local missions team and that I've had a chance to meet with on a regular basis, month to month. And, and, and we, we've, we've talked about what it is that God wants us to do in Flagler County and beyond. And, and we develop friendships and relationships that literally will last a lifetime. When I think about our Epic staff and our team that we have here, those of you that have been around here long enough to know some of those folks, you know it's some of the greatest people that God has graced and placed on planet Earth. 
And it's been my privilege to be a part of a, of a team that keeps the main thing the main thing and keeps the ship headed in the right direction and, and realizes and understand that it's not about us. It's about what God's called us to do in Flagler County and beyond. And it's been an amazing group of people that God has, has brought into my life. And you know what? Today is not, it's not goodbye. Today is just see you later and we'll talk again. Because there are friendships and relationships that I've been able to establish over the last three years that literally will last a lifetime. Many of you, as part of the congregation, uh, I've got to know you very well. Some that I don't know so well. But here's what I want you to know, all right? God places us in the body at strategic times and strategic places to accomplish his good will and good purposes. Let me challenge you to be willing to share your life with others. Then the last thing he says is um, there needs to be a few people that you just have a special bond with. I call it, we need to bond personally. Bond personally. Listen to what he says in verse 17 and 18. And tell Archippus, I think I got that one right. <laughs> Pay attention to the ministry that you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. And then he signs off in his own greeting. This greeting is in my own hand. Paul, remember my imprisonment and grace be to you. He specifically closes by talking about a guy by the name of Archippus. And here's what I think Paul is saying when he talks about this idea of bonding personally. He's saying we need to be willing to invest in relationships that will last a lifetime. Jesus had an inner circle of people that he was closest to, Peter, James, and John. Then he had some other people, the rest of the disciples, and then he had other followers. Uh, he's a great example of this. Paul had an inner circle of people like Archippus that God had put in his life, that he had mentored and that he had, uh, he had, he had ministered together with. And, and, and I did a little research on, on Archippus to kind of understand who he is because Paul specifically mentions him and has, a, has an encouragement for him. Archippus probably was a fellow pastor of a church that met in Philemon's home. Philemon is another book in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote. Matter of fact, a lot of Bible scholars believe that Philemon probably was Archippus' father. But Archippus was somebody that the Apostle Paul had a, had a kindred relationship with, a kindred spirit with. And his last words in this letter were a salutation to him and an encouragement to him to pay attention to the ministry that you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish. You see the encouragement that the Apostle Paul has given uh, to Archippus there? About 15 years ago, God put an Archippus in my life. He's our lead pastor, Trent Shockey. And I want to invite Trent on stage today because uh, I want to share a moment with him if it's okay. Uh, we're in our late service, so it's not a complete surprise like it was in the first service. But if you know Trent, you know he likes to be in control. And today he's not, okay? <laughs> uh, number one, because I'm his elder and he has to respect me, right? Because that's what we do for our elders. Uh, number two, he can't fire me because this is my last day, Okay. <laughs> Uh, but 15 years ago, God put an archippus in my life and uh, his little short, bald-held guy that looks just like that guy right there. We met in a church planting network about 15 years ago when I was planting a church and he was planting Epic and trying to figure out how to do this. What's this mean? How do we pastor people? How do we lead people? 
And after meeting Trent, it didn't take very long at all for me to realize and understand that this is somebody I want to get to know. This is somebody that I can learn from. This is somebody that I can do life with. This is somebody I can be real with. This is somebody that I can develop a, a close, personal bond with. And over the last 15 years, uh, we've been intentional about sharing our life. Um, we've sat down and we've eaten a lot of chicken wings and drank a lot of sweet tea over the last 15 years. We've read books together. We've prayed together. We've laughed together. We've dated together on double dates with our wives. We literally have, have, have done as best we know how what we know to do individually and personally so that we can be the very best leaders and pastors. And we've learned a lot from each other. I've learned way more from him than, than, than he will ever learn from me. But in, in significant moments in my life where I've needed this kind of person like Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter number four, church, I want you to know this guy's been that guy to me. And I'm grateful. More than I can ever describe. We've walked along the shores of the Sea of Galilee together. We climbed Masada. I took a picture and loaded it for you today. We climbed Masada in Israel together. Um, when I was laying in a, in a hospital room and a doctor came in and said, Mr. Baker, you have coronary artery disease and we need to do open heart surgery. He's the first person that showed up other than my wife. And he sat with me. And he stayed with me. And he talked to me. He prayed for me. And he served me. And I'm forever grateful. And here's what I know. Um, had I not come to Epic three years ago, somebody would have already done my funeral because of what was going on in my body. So I can say as part of my God story, Epic saved my life. And I'm eternally grateful. And I want you to know, that we have one of the greatest pastors in America today. I don't, I'm not just saying that because it's my last day and he's on stage. I'm saying that because I've brushed shoulders with a lot of guys over the last 30 years. And church, he's a real deal. If you're looking for a place to connect and plug in and to give your life to, um, he's a great guy to follow because he's following Jesus. And he'll lead you into a bright future. And so what I want to do today is uh, I'll kind of flip the script a little bit and I'm going to pray for Trent. He thought he was going to pray for me and, and I'm going to let him do that, okay? Um, but I'm going to pray for Trent and I want you to join me in praying for our pastor. Uh, because um, if you know anything about, uh, uh, about life and, and church world especially, this is a difficult season for the, for the local church. And I believe the best is yet to come for Epic. But he needs wisdom. He'll need support. He'll need strength. He'll need help. And you guys are the ones that God has, has entrusted to him. 
And I want to challenge you um, to live out your faith with more boldness and courage than you've ever done before. And help him, help him grow God's kingdom in Flagler County and beyond. Because literally, the best is yet to come. So, buddy, let me pray for you real quick. Okay? God, I come to you today, and uh, Lord, today's been different, and that's okay. We get an opportunity just to um, uh, be in the moment with you and be present with each other and know that, uh, Lord, you use every part of what we experience when we gather together to draw us closer to you. And God, I just, um, Lord, you know my heart. My heart today is just to try to encourage our church. And Lord, uh, help them understand that um, uh, even though there's a new season that's, that's happening corporately and personally in all of our lives, Lord, we're still all on Team Jesus. We're all part of your, uh, your big C church. And we've all got a place to serve and connect and, and lead and, and grow. So God, help us in that. Uh, God, I'm grateful um, for Trent. He's my friend. He's my buddy. And uh, he gets me because we sit in the same seat and we understand sometimes the things that, that we face and go through that nobody knows. And God, I just pray for him today as he continues to lead Epic. God, you'd give him those buckets of wisdom that he's been asking you for. Um, that, God, you'd surround him with like-minded people who have a heart for you and, and want to see your kingdom advanced in Flagler County and beyond. God, I can't wait to see how you're going to provide the resources to build that building and, Lord, plant themselves permanently in a, in a place where, God, anybody and every, everybody can show up just as they are. And uh, God, I pray for Tammy and for their kids. God, you put a hedge of protection around them and God, keep them safe from any evil, injury, or harm. God, guard his heart and his mind. Uh, Lord, help him to do the things that he needs to do and should do to stay refreshed and focused and uh, to trust you, um, God, with this ministry so that he can finish it well. God, I'm convinced and believe and trust with every ounce of energy that I have that he'll hear you say to him one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I thank you for the last three years that we've had together. And Lord, however you can use me in the future um, to shape or to sharpen him, to encourage him. God, I want to do it. And I want to be faithful in that. Thank you for our time together today. Thank you for this season of ministry. I love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Love you, buddy. So let me just say a few words before we close. Uh, first, Brian, thank you for helping me work on my control issues. Because this was certainly not part of the plan today. Um, but Karen, would you join us on stage as well? So um, I am eternally grateful to God for friends like these. 
Um, you know, God brought Brian into my life at a critical spot when I needed a friend. Uh, I needed somebody who could pour into me, and Brian has been that. And uh, Brian made a comment about him learning from me, but I'll turn that around and say I've learned way more f- from you than I think I've ever offered. So I appreciate the friendship. Um, I know this is not the end of our friendship. And Karen, I so appreciate you coming uh, on board with us. Karen has led our Riptide ministry, our first through fifth grade ministry for the past three years and has done a phenomenal job. And uh, we're grateful for Karen. We're grateful for Brian and all that, that they have done. And like I said in the first service, you have weaved yourself into the fabric of our church and uh, you will always be part of our epic story. And we're grateful for that. So would you help me thank them for the investment they've made in us over the past three years. (laughs) Keep his mic turned off, please, back there. Um, So you're headed to South Carolina. Uh, you've got some boys up there and you've got some things happening in their lives. So tell us just about that for just a second. Yeah, we're headed to Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina, if you know the area, it's just across the state line. Uh, I'm originally from about 30 minutes from there. Uh, so all my extended family is there, but we have one son that got married last April. I have another son that's getting married uh, next May. So our life is definitely changing. Uh, if you have not heard already, we found out two weeks ago, we're going to be grandparents. Um, so we're excited about that, and the timing, timing could not be better or perfect, and we're just excited to step into a new season of ministry. Karen already has a job at a, at a school there, and she'll be starting in August. She'll be back in the classroom, and she's an amazing teacher and loves students and children. And uh, wherever God plants me, that's where I'm going to grow. And I don't know exactly what he has for me, so you can pray for me if you want to. And uh, this is a huge step of faith for us, but we know it's right. We know the time is right, and we're just going to walk it out and trust God with the future. Well, we are very sad today, but we are excited at the same time. Excited for you guys and the opportunities that God has in store for you. Uh, We know there's a whole bunch of people up in South Carolina that need some loving from Brian and Karen And uh, you guys are going to do that and do that extremely well. So after I pray for them, Brian and Karen are going to be available down front. And I would love it if you would come up and hug Karen and punch Brian. (laughs) Call him Grandpa and Grandma Baker because that's appropriate for them. And uh, just let them know you love them. And uh, if you're new with us, I'm going to make my way out to the lobby. I would love to meet you. I'd love to welcome you to our church family and maybe answer some questions that you might have about us. So I'm going to ask, would you stand with me? And let's pray for the bakers. God, I thank you for my friends, Brian and Karen. Um, Lord, as I've, I've said multiple times, uh, I'm sad today. Wasn't looking forward to today, but I'm also excited. I'm excited for them and the many opportunities that you have in store for them. So Lord, we pray your blessings on them. Lord, we pray as they go that, Lord, there just be a great family reunion as they get there and are able to be around their boys more and watch their family expand. 
Lord, I, I pray for Karen and her new job that you would guide her as she, she is teaching again. Give her the wisdom that she needs as she does that. Lord, give Brian the wisdom and uh, the answer to his prayer of where you want him to plug in, what you want him to be doing next. And Lord, I know they're trusting you every step of the way. And Lord, again, we're grateful for everything that they've done. They've poured their lives out here to make a significant investment, an eternal investment in our community and beyond. And they've done an amazing job. We're grateful for them and we're gonna miss them greatly. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. 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 Appreciate you. All right, thanks, everybody. Please come up and say goodbye to Brian and Karen.